Hey, hey, it's Andy Yanez, and welcome to a live special edition of Pod Jamma here on the Pod Jamma YouTube channel, or if you are watching for the first time ever in the history of Pod Jamma on Twitter, whether it be my personal account at Ayanis underscore five or on the Pod Jamma Twitter at Pod Jamma. We welcome you because obviously we're just 14 minutes under 14 minutes away until the Big 12 unveils the football schedule, which is something that fans have been waiting for for forever. But until then, we'll talk some Houston Cougars men's basketball. Kelvin Sampson just wrapped up his media availability probably about an hour ago. We're reporters, so we'll touch on some stuff, including Ramon Walker, who will be redshirting for the remainder of the season, and Jamal Shedd. No, go anywhere. This is a live edition of Pod Slam Jam. <laughs> Yeah, high standards, high goals, and we know, we know what it takes to get there. I want to be unguarded, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. We you can care less what other people are playing. So joining me, as always, Dayon Dunlap. Dayon, how are you doing, sir? Uh-oh, I think we... There we go. My bad, having myself. Me, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. How can we not be doing good on minutes away from the first ever Big 12 schedule in regards to the football team? We're just less than 13 minutes away. Just got to keep looking at the clock. But before we do, we have some Houston Cougars men's basketball team to talk. That's right, the number one, the number three team ranked in both the Associated Press and USA Today's coaches polls. They're still third. And of course, the number one team in the net ranking. But really, let's start with sophomore guard Ramon Walker, who's had a bit of a season that just really has hasn't been able to to get in rhythm. He's only playing in t- 10 games for the 2022-23 season. The last time Ramon Walker played in the game was back in December 28th against Tulsa. He's been dealing with some injuries, Kelvin Sampson said, and he's also been dealing with some other stuff that head coach Kelvin Sampson did not want to go into detail during today's Zoom availability. But here's what head coach Kelvin Sampson had to say about an hour ago on the decision to redshirt medical, use a medical redshirt on sophomore card Ramon Walker. Yeah, um, he's. We're gonna uh, redshirt uh, Ramon. That was a um, uh, mutual decision. Um, so hopefully, Ramon just um, keeps working, uh, keeps improving his game, and um, we, have, we have three guys redshirting now: Malik, Big Said, Said Lot, and uh, Ramon. Well, right now we have five guards. And then we have uh, uh, four post guys in our rotation, so that's nine. That's nine guys. Um, um, some nights we may only play eight, but um, you know you always roll the dice with with injuries and things like that. But that's part of part of life is a uh, at this level or at any level, you know depth. You know last year. This year we have five guards. Last year we only had four. So we're playing with house money at the guard spot. And then um, with the bigs last year, same thing. So last year we only had eight guys that we played four and four. This year we had five and four. He's going through some personal stuff that that's um, uh, he's attending to with our uh, with John Houston, our medical people, and I just – I'm, I'm not comment on that further. That's personal with Ramon. 
No, but what I meant was, is, is that is it a, I guess, it'll be a, just a true red shirt, right? I mean, he, you won't have to go through any, uh, you know, like a, you ask for like a medical waiver, that kind of stuff, because he had, he hasn't used his red shirt, right? No, but he played in, he played in the, um, over the limit of games he's allowed to regular red shirt, so right. this would be a medical red shirt. Okay, got it. So a lot of different things that head coach Kevin Sampson touched on right there. First and foremost, I'd like to thank everybody that's joining us here for this live edition of Potsdam and Jamma. Laura is 2238. Thank you for being a supporter of Potsdam and Jamma just by commenting. And we appreciate you being able to tune in. If you have a comment to the show, feel free to do it on the live YouTube live chat on the YouTube live chat, of course, or tweet at us at Potsdam and Jamma on Twitter. But Dan, your initial thoughts on Ramon Walker redshirting for the remainder of the season, something that he touched Kevin Sampson touched on in that clip you know that guard position when you look at the depth that they have they're five deep at that position which makes it much easier compared to a year ago when they were only four deep at that spot it, it, it makes it easier an easier pill to swallow like i said the last time that ramon walker got on the floor for houston was december 28 so they've had some time to get used to it but what are your initial thoughts of walker being out for the remainder of the season um i think it's probably a good move i'm not really surprised i think with him not being able to redshirt last year, getting the experience that he was able to get would only help him going forward. I think just kind of looking into next year, I kind of foresee, of course, Marcus being gone as far as guards. And so um, I, I think he'll be take on a bigger role. Um, who knows what that role will be, but I think he'll be able to take a bigger role and have more experience to kind of be able to find his role. So overall, uh, I think it would be to his benefit to continue to develop, continue to work harder, practice, all those things that Coach Simpson said he is doing and defending well. And so as long as he's continuing to develop, I think it will um, be to his benefit in the long run. Absolutely. And of course, like Kelvin said in that in that clip, he is dealing with some other stuff that they're tackling with John Houston and the entire team staff. So hopefully that Ramon Walker is able to, like you said, Dayon, attack that and get back to 100 percent and not really have to worry about having to come back and, and rush into this season. He can take all the time and get geared up for June, really, when kind of the next cycle for the 2023-24 season begins now that we're uh, under transition to what Calvin Sampson had to say about Jamal Shedd and down this is to your credit this is what you spoke or what you asked the head coach in regards to Shedd's defense and being able to to really play at the point of attack yeah the thing I, was, I, I liked about um, Jamal I, I was able to keep his minutes down which is why the development of uh, Emmanuel and Terrence is so important to our team um uh Jamal's a lot better at 30, 31 minutes than he is at 37, 38 because he's our point of attack on defense. And, you know, we depend on his ball pressure a lot. Um, uh, I've got to find a way to get Marcus's minutes down. But again, uh, I don't want to keep harping on this, but the development of Emmanuel and Terrence helps us to keep uh, everybody uh, fresh at the end of games. Um one of the reasons why Jamal was so good is we made a conscious effort to substitute him during timeouts. So I think there's 12.39 on the clock. If you went back and looked at the film, we took him out and let him rest through the timeout and put him in after that. Uh, was it the UCF or Cincinnati game where he got in foul trouble? Um, was that, that might've been UCF. He got in foul trouble 
uh, and that helped limit his minutes, but he was really good. I, I told him I was going to try to hold him out to the under three, but Terrence and uh, Emmanuel were doing a good job. So we, we were able to hold him out even longer. But um, he's our point of attack on defense, you know, and he's he's had two really good games. Now the key is be consistent. If I can follow up on questions about Jamal and your trust with having the ball in his hands during clutch moments, not only that, his confidence to be able to make plays. Not many players have the confidence to want the ball and want to take that shot. Kind of kind of speak on both things about that as far as Jamal. Um, you know, one, one of the things that Jamal struggled with uh, last year and this year is I don't ever give him a free passing uh, practice. The better Jamal practices, the better he plays in games. That includes game day shoot around. That includes the day before the game. You know, Jamal's one of those earning guys. When he, when he practices the right way, um, and I make sure he does, that's when he has his best games. You know, when he's, when he's trying to cut corners or uh, he loses interest or his concentration and focus isn't what it needs to be, uh, that, that tells me he thinks he's going to play good without earning it. And that's not the way it works. Um, maybe Michael Jordan could. I, I doubt he did. Maybe Kareem could. And I, but he, I, I'm, I've yet to coach a Kareem or Michael Jordan. So the guys I'm coaching, you, you better practice the right way so you can earn your earn the right to play well in games. And and, and that's that's when Jamal's at his best. When you see him really playing well, that means that he's really practiced well. So a lot of things from that soundbite from Houston Cougars head coach Kelvin Sampson now down. <clears throat> you were the one that asked uh, Coach Sampson a lot of those questions, in particular about his defense. But I think the thing that stood out to me about that clip is, again, just going back to kind of the message that he's had all season long. Everything starts in practice for all the players, top to bottom. And Jamal Shedd, he's a key figure. Obviously, he's the team's point guard. He's in many ways kind of an identity player for the team. Now, Dan, what stood out to you about that clip, and what kind of prompted you to want to ask Kelvin Sampson about uh, Jamal Shedd's defense at the point of attack? Well, I think what prompted me to ask that question, really just to get his perspective on the importance on how important it is for him to pressure the basketball as well as containing it, just to disrupt the flow of the offense because the defense is so good and often he doesn't really get credit for how, how much he pressures the basketball and how disruptive that is to the opposing team. So I kind of want to get his analogy on it. And also, it also stood, stood out to me on how the – the level he holds Jamal to in regards to practice. Like, I think he holds yeah. him to a really, really high regard. And he mentions two people that can't have a bad practice is himself and his point guard, which is Jamal Shedd. And he's kind of like a quarterback. I mean, and he kind of treats it like that. And I think for him to hold him to such a high standard and for him to accept coaching, Jamal, that is, to accept coaching, accept hard, I think that really only makes him a better leader. And it helps prepare him for those moments that I ask him about in which – it's often that he has the ball in his hands. And so uh, and it, it was good to hear him, hear Coach Sampson say some of the things that he said to kind of solidify what I was seeing on the court. 
Absolutely. And one of the things that Kelvin Sampson has talked about with Jamal Shedd in the past and, and really from Shedd, from a perspective of the team overall, he's kind of like the head of the snake. You know, he makes yep. everything run, especially at that position at point guard. It's crucial for one, obviously, we know on offense to be able to set up his teammates, but even kind of an underrated aspect of it, at least from an outside fan perspective, is that defense and really kind of holding them accountable. Like you said, when it comes to practices, not having bad practices because kind of, he didn't necessarily say specifically, but you know, if he were to have a string of bad practices, it's going to translate over to the games and you'll be able to tell like Jamal Shedd is not at the level where, and I'm sure this goes for every single player on the top to the bottom of the roster. Kevin said he's never had to coach a, a Michael Jordan, a Kareem type of player, but it, it really emphasizes how much important there is in practice and how head coach Kevin Sampson holds them accountable. That's something that he said during his radio show. It's, it's one of the key things that the program emphasizes accountability from the players top to bottom. Yeah, and when your leader, your point guard is practicing at a high level and he must do it every single day, I think that just kind of goes out, um, spreads out throughout the rest of the team. Along with Marcus, I think he also said his best player as well has to practice hard and can't have a bad day. So those top three players along with the well, top two players with the coaches all locked in for practice every single day, I think not only does it set the culture and set the standard, but everyone just has to follow suit. And I, I think for um, Jamal, I think he, he must get, not only get his confidence from what he does in the game, but also what he does in practice and having successful. Because Coach Sampson kind of also during the availability talked about individual matchups and situations that they put to him. And as I say that, I think about last season, I think it was the game against Wisconsin, no, Alabama, Alabama or Wisconsin. And where um, he got the ball with X amount of time and it, he dribbled it out. Wisconsin. Then fast, Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wisconsin. Then Fax Ford was in that same situation against Wichita State and he made the play. And so um, I, I think Coach Simpson, of course, is doing a great job of helping prepare his players in practice. But I think the practice makes games easier for the players because they all always hear about how hard their practice is and how much they're pushed. Not only that, how much they compete. He, he talks about competing in practice and the players not wanting to lose. I think that competition in practice helps prepare them to compete hard in the high level in games. Absolutely. And we're going to put a pin on it right there when it comes to men's basketball talk because it is now officially 1 p.m. Central time here in the Houston area. The Big 12 schedule is officially released. But before we do, we'd like to thank everybody that's watching live on YouTube. and like to remind everybody to follow us on social media at Jam on Instagram and our TikTok at Let's Rage Cougs. And, of course, the Let's Rage Cougs postgame show streaming after each and every Houston Cougars men's basketball and football games on the Houston Round Bar Review channel. Or if you're watching us on my personal Twitter account or the Jamma Twitter account, follow those accounts as well because that is when the stream will be live immediately following each and every single Houston Cougars men's basketball and football games. Now, the moment of truth. Here we go where the Big 12 schedule will begin. So let's see. We're looking at Houston's schedule. September 16th, the home opener. I'm trying to, to gauge. So I'm assuming that Grays are home, but I'm going to go ahead and go down the list. So for the Houston Cougars, the conference home opener – September 16th against Texas Christian. Then they're going to be on the road. They're going to see a familiar foe on the road September 30th against Texas Tech. They have a bye week on October 7th. Then a Thursday night game following that bye week. Daniel Hogerson is going to see a familiar opponent 
October 14th, again, at TDCU Stadium against West Virginia. And then here we go. Circle the date on this one, October 21th. At TDCU Stadium, the Houston Cougars will host the Texas Longhorns. Again, that's October 21. And then the week following that, October 28th, Houston will travel and have to play at Kansas State. Ooh, and that's going to be a bit of a, of a tough back-to-back because on November 4th, they will travel up to Waco and play at Baylor November 4th. And then they finally get to see a, a old, well, they're currently conference opponents. They haven't seen them the last couple of years, but then they play, they host at, they host Cincinnati on November 11th. And then they close out the final home regular season game will be November 18th against Oklahoma State before closing out the first conference season in the Big 12 at Orlando against Central Florida. So once again, if you look over all the schedule, the first week of the season will be September 2 against UTSA. That'll be TDCU Stadium. They'll be at TDCU Stadium. They play Rice the following week. The first conference game of the season will be at home, TDCU Stadium against the uh, college football playoff semifinalist, Texas Christian University. And, of course, when you look at kind of the big headliners, to me, the stick out, TCU, Texas, Baylor, and Cincinnati as well. Cincinnati and UCF just because they're conference, they're old conference opponents. So they're going to be playing Cincinnati and UCF. So kind of interesting tidbit. They're playing both teams that are traveling to the American Athletic Conference schedule with them in that first season. So Dayon just wrapping your head around that. What games stick out? I think obviously that Texas game's got to stick out. What are your initial reactions, initial thoughts to that conference schedule? Initial reactions. I first I love that Houston is having some of these games on campus. I think it's apparent and it's important that they have some of those matchups at home on campus at TDUC Stadium. And so um some of the matchups that stick out to me, of course, TCU. Um, but like just to go outside of the Texas schools, because I think all of us being from Texas and in Texas, we're, we're anticipating those matchups. But I want to see that Kansas State game uh, that's on the road. Kansas State is a consistently good team year in, year out. That's going to be a tough contest. I think if Houston, um, depending on what their record are when they get to that point, that's going to be a really, really tough game. But I, I'm excited. I mean, the, the excitement is officially here. People can start planning their tailgates. People looking forward to homecoming and all those type of things. Uh, I'm excited. What, what, what game stood out to you? I think you've got to circle the game with that against the Texans Longhorns. I'm looking at the news release that the Cougars sent out. So that October 21 meeting will be the first time the Houston and Texas play since September 21, 2002. So by the time they meet, it will have been 21 years since the last time those two programs played on the gridiron, which is just absurd to think about. And it'll be the first time they'll be meeting as conference opponents since November 11th, 1995, going back to the Southwest Conference days and Houston will be looking for their first win over Texans since November 9th, 1991. And I think boom, 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 Dion on YouTube, on YouTube that's watching on YouTube made a great point. UT will have a bye week the week before they play the Houston Cougars. So that's going to be uh, big for them to be able to have that extra really weak to be able to prepare for the Houston Cougars. Lorenz2238 on YouTube says, this is a great schedule. I hope we were done with Thursday night game. So, so again, that's going to be, that's kind of an underrated game. I think it's pretty yeah. huge that that thing's going to be at TDCU Stadium and not in West Virginia. Obviously, we know that that's where Dana Hogerson joined the Houston Cougars from 
And that's where he was a head coach before that. And then, obviously, of course, like you said, TCU, that's going to be big from the standpoint that it's going to be home. That's going to be the first ever home conference game in the Big 12. I'm sure it'll be a crazy atmosphere. I'm sure people will be excited for that game. I mean, if you're not excited for that, there's something wrong with you. How can you not there? Again, they were the finalists for the CFP this year. They they were literally in the big game. They're going to be entering here at TDCU Stadium. That's probably the biggest opponent that Houston's hosted. I mean, going back to Louisville, what would you say? Yep, no, I was thinking exactly. And I think I agree with Louisville when Lamar Jackson came to town. I expect a similar atmosphere. Um, That was the largest crowd, the most um, impactful crowd that I've seen at TDHU Stadium. And I expect that same result. And I think that's something not only Houston fans should want to put out while in the Big 12, I think the football players will be looking forward to actually having a real home crowd and be able to get that energy off of the crowd. And so hopefully Houston fans stick it out regardless of how the season transpires. You want to have that home field advantage. But I like that Thursday night game with West Virginia. I I think that's a good game to be. I'm not sure if it's on primetime, but most likely Thursday games are primetime games because it's a a rematch between um, Hogerson and his former team that he used to coach, so I, I like that matchup. But for Houston, um, I think a lot of these interstate rivals, and not only in-state, but pretty much every conference game, you got to look for It's a recruiting battle as well because yeah. not only do you want to win as far as the bragging rights, but you want to win in regards to recruiting. Houston has been doing a really good job of not only recruiting in-state transfers, but also recruiting in-state high school players. So, if they can have a successful season, a la TCU, I don't know if they go as far as TCU did in their first year under their new head coach, but if they can have a successful season. I think that really, really will bode well going um, for a recruiting as well. Absolutely. Now, I think when, when we look at some of the underrated games, September 30th, Houston once again has to play Texas Tech, which has kind of been, they've been the one common opponent the, the Cougars have seen from a Big 12 foe in the last few years. Now, we've talked about it at the beginning of this season when they were heading up to Lubbock. They have to travel once again to Lubbock to play the, the Red Raiders. That's been an opponent that's heading into the games. We both talked that they sh- the Houston Cougars should have been able to defeat Texas Tech. They haven't been able to do it. They came yeah. really close last year. It's going to be interesting to see who's at quarterback for the Houston Cougars. It might be a, a, a situation where Donovan Smith is starting for the Houston Cougars, who obviously a year ago when both of those teams met, Smith started in that game, but he was starting for the Red Raiders at that point. But at some point, you got to feel that's one one school where there's already a bit of a rivalry just because of how frequent you've seen them in the past few years. Yeah. At some point, Houston's got to be able to defeat Texas Tech. And this has to be well next year, next football season has to be the year. I mean, I think um, Houston has let them off the hook. I believe the last three games, in my opinion, they should have won those games. But the Texas Tech credit, they did what it took to win the games and they actually won them. And so. Um, I mean, Houston definitely has to get over the hump and beating Texas Tech. But like I've been saying, that's not a, a measuring stick game because Texas Tech, although under their new coach, I will say um, he's looking like he's changing the culture there. But still, for where they are and where Houston wants to be, you, you have to be able to beat a team like Texas Tech and a school like Tech who hasn't really done anything significant in um, college football or even the Big 12. And so you, you have to beat the teams that – you feel like you should be, and I feel like they should be Texas Tech. But to their credit, I got to give credit where it's due. They 
have been um, beating the Cougars um, in the last, what, three or four games, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I think it's around there where they've had a, a four or five game losing streak to the Red Raiders. Now, of course, when it when it looks to our friends at the tailgate talks, they're already they're already reacting to it. They said, "I will see you soon." So I'm sure we'll be able to collab for another show down the road with them, our good friends at Tailgate Talk. If you're looking for a Texas Tech podcast, obviously, of course, now going into the Big Twelve. You make sure that it's those guys because they do a great job at being able to cover Texas Tech in their way. Once again, that's at Tailgate Talks on Twitter, and they have their own Tailgate Talks podcast covering the Red Raiders now. Uh, looking at the reactions from our YouTube live stream, Boom Boom Diaz is very nervous of our schedule, not knowing the quarterback situation. If we don't have a solid option, we might be in for a rough ride. And absolutely, right now, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of joy for the schedule because it's – End of January, early February. Right now, everyone's zero and zero. Everyone has an opportunity to be able to put last season behind them, and they still have a clean slate. Everyone feels good. Looking at the schedule, let's look at it a bit. Of obviously, we want to be objective, but even though they're going to be at home, opening against Texas Christian, that is going to be a tough game, especially because of how high the Horn Frogs have been able to get in terms of kind of the elite level they're coming off of this past season. Yeah, but realistically, I, I have so much respect for the coach and the success that he's been able to attain, whether at SMU or at TCU. But they're replacing a lot of experience, specifically at the quarterback with Duggan. He's, he's gone. Their best receiver, Johnson, is gone. Their running back, Miller, went to the draft. And so so many players are on the defense. They're um, Thorpe, Thorpe Winter, Thomason, he's gone. So, so many players they're going to have to replace and so we're not really sure what they're going to look like. They're going to be tested, I think, early in the matchup they have with Colorado, who Dion's first year is going to be a lot of hype around them. And so I think TCU, it will be some excitement because of the, the what they were able to accomplish this season. But I don't know if they have a, a repeat successful season like they had last year. If they do, I think we can see TCU probably being in the upper echelon of the Big 12 for years to come, especially with the way they're able to recruit. But that's a really big game. I can't wait to see the matchup. I want to see Houston's quarterback position. I think that's the um, position to keep an eye on going throughout the spring, the fall, all the way up until season starts. Who will win that quarterback battle? Absolutely. And right now, I do like to tell our audience members that, well, first and foremost, I have to take a quick break just to remind everybody that they are watching Pod Slamajama. You're watching us on YouTube and you're watching us live. So please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you're not already a subscriber to the Pod Slamajama YouTube channel because that is the quickest and most easiest way to be able to help us out. And it takes five seconds. So just go down there, click the subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And of course, follow us on social media on Instagram and TikTok. It's just Let's Rage Coops all over case as you see it on the screen let's rage coops or if you're watching us on twitter if you haven't follow make sure to follow us on twitter at p-a-w-t-s-l-a-m-a-j-a-m-a once again that's at pod slam and jamma on twitter and of course be sure to check out the let's rage coops post game show following each and every houston cougars men's basketball and football game we will be back on thursday following the end of houston and wichita state the houston cougars men's basketball team and wichita state now that's a great point dan where you look at tc 
I think there's going to be a lot of buzz just in terms of where they're coming off of. But that's a great point. And I think the biggest key for them, they're going to be without their quarterback in Max Duggan, who declared for the NFL draft. That's a huge hit for them. The problem is Houston's kind of in a similar situation. So absolutely, that's the biggest question mark for the Cougars. They only play two non-conference games before they start their conference slate portion in terms of Houston. They're going to play UTSA, which we saw this time. It'll be at TDCU Stadium. It won't be in San Antonio, but we saw how crazy of a game it was last year in the Alamo Dome. And they're going to be returning their quarterback, so they're going to be ready. They're going to be amped up because that's going to be their first year in the American Athletic Conference. And then they play Rice Week 2, who... Again, the Owls are kind of slowly building something. They're also going to be the first year in the American Athletic Conference, and they gave Houston a lot of troubles at home this past season before they play TCU, and then they 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 have a bit of an interesting quirk. They play TCU, then they play their final non-conference game of the season against Sam Houston on September 23rd before having to play Texas Tech to end the month of September. But kind of focusing on those two non-conference games real quickly, how much of that, and the answer should be, this is tricky because on a, in a normal year, you'd think that depending on how Houston looks in those two games against UTSA and Rice, it would determine how much buzz there is. It's a bit of an interesting where regardless of what happens, I feel like there's going to be some initial buzz for that September 16th game against TCU because that's the first time we're ever playing a Big 12 opponent as a member of the Big 12. But if they kind of look bad against UTSA and Rice, that might put a huge damper on the first Big 12 conference schedule ever for the Houston Cougars. Yeah, I think so. I, well, well, I don't know. Look bad. I think if it's a bad loss, well, I think if you lose the, either one of those first two matchups, it's going to temper down the expectations for the fans even more going into the Big 12. But I think if you get close wins for against UTSA or Rice, it, it expectation. Well, I want to say the expectation. The excitement will still be there opening the Big Twelve, but I think you you must handle business starting with UTSA. I mean, they return their quarterback who is really really good, and they have a lot of skill position. They're a program that's on the rise in Texas, so they're able to um, keep a lot of this Texas football talent in the state of Texas as well. And they're looking to prove themselves going into the American, just like Rice is. Rice looking to get off the snide where Houston has pretty much dominated that matchup. And so um, there's two teams who are going to be hungry to prove themselves against Houston. But Houston, I mean, has to be in a great position right now. I mean, going into the Big 12, finally, you're in the city of Houston where you're able to recruit not only the city, but the entire state of Texas. And now you don't have to deal with um, you're not in a major conference anymore. I think that's why Houston is now continuing to get so many big recruits going out of high school and transfers coming in. I think you're able to sell hey, be a part of us turning this thing around and you can actually build your name here and build a legacy here. But, and so um, they definitely have to take care of business those, in those first two matchups. You, you can't look forward until the Big 12 um, skills. You got to be where your feet are and take care of business day in and day out. Absolutely. And then kind of similar to this season, those two schools are going to be gunning for Houston coming out stretch because they are essentially they're two schools that are going in to replace the Cougars who left the American Athletic Conference. So I'm sure they're going to be amped up, especially like you said, UTSA is going to be looking to get payback from the loss that they suffered at the hands of Houston in the Alamo Dome just a season ago. And hopefully it's it's two games that the Houston Cougars are able to come out on the winning side of. But I think that first game of the season against UTSA will be really tough because regardless of who 
who's under center for the Houston Kirkies at quarterback is going to be someone that's new. They're inexperienced, certainly under the Dana Hogerson system. So it, not to tamper down expectations, there's still a lot of excitement, but that's that's going to be a big game. And hopefully it's not to a point where there's a lot of it's kind of like a balloon where it ends up being deflated going into that yeah. first matchup against TCU now. I think let me ask something real quick. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Real quick before you go on. I I think the quarterback, whoever it be, whether it be Donovan Smith, whether it be Lucas Coley, whether it be someone else who whom we don't know yet, I think they'll be in a good position because they're gonna have talent all around them, really starting in the backfield or really starting up front with an an experienced O line who played well and I think they're returning all their offensive linemen, if I'm not mistaken. But they got their um a lot of talent. They started the backfield with Alton McCaskill coming back. Still got Brandon Campbell, and you still got Snead. And then you go outside with all the weapons with Golden. Um, you got Manjack. You got Brown. You got all the transfer attempts you got coming in. And so I think the quarterback will probably be in a position to where early on they can manage the game and allow the running game and quick passing game to kind of help ease them until the season. But who knows, man? You got to get off to a good start with the way the Houston fans um, kind of fickle in as far as attending games and supporting. Yeah. So biggest question, and this just popped in my head because you said about the fan base. What do you expect the crowd to be for that October 21 matchup between Houston and Texas at TDE Stadium? Because I was talking, not to plug in another show that we're part of, uh, Folks Talking Sports with Chris Gardner, friend of the show from the Houston Roundball Review, and Will Gibson, who's one of the, the other co-hosts that helps us do the show on Folks Talking Sports. But they feel like it'll be 60-40 Texas fans inside the TDECU Stadium. They expect a lot of burnt orange, and that's being kind of generous inside the TDECU Stadium. I don't think that's the case, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I think Houston fans are going to have so much pride in, in regards to playing Texas. I, I say it's probably be 70-30. I think it will be a large amount of burnt orange, a large amount of Texas, because you think about Houston, a lot of people who went to Texas probably live in Houston. And so I think they will come out and support. I think Houston fans is going to dominate that stadium in regards to numbers and really come out and show support. And um, I'll probably go 70-30, 70%. Houston fans, 30% Texas fans. But I expect a, a large draw from Texas fans. And if Houston fans don't show up, then Houston maybe loses a couple games or whatever the case may be. And then I can see Texas fans um, outnumbering Houston fans because they're going to travel and they're going to support Texas regardless of where they are. And so if Houston fans don't come out, then I can agree with, with Chris and you guys on, on Folks Talking Sports that Texas fans will outnumber Houston fans. But I'm gonna give Houston fans some some credit. Well, not credit. I'm gonna give them some slack right here. I think they will come out just for a, a pride aspect of being from Houston and not allow Texas fans to outnumber them in their home stadium. In the first one, like you so. mentioned, what twenty yeah. years. Yeah, by then it will have been over twenty years since the last time that they played UT at all, and. Uh, I hope I hope that Houston fans, even if they're winless at that point, I don't care if they're winless. They play nine conference yeah. games. Even if they go one and eight, it's Texas. That's like that's the Lakers Celtics rival right there. And you haven't seen them in forever. Houston fans need like to like show well, I guess that's probably you're no, you're right in that aspect. If we're being objective about it in terms yeah. of rival, if we're looking yeah. at it from the Austin perspective, that is that is how they view us. They view us as the yeah. Clippers, they're the Los Angeles Lakers. But guess what? The Houston Cougars better put out and show out for that game. And 
even if you go one and eight in conference, that one win has to be against Texas. You have to get up for that game. Ruin their season at one point. Don't let them get into the CFP playoff. They're leaving the conference. This might be the last time that you play the Texas Longhorns in a while again. Anyways, because nothing's guaranteed past this season. You've got to show out. And the home game of all things, do not get outnumbered by Texas fans. Please, I'm begging you guys, do not get outnumbered by Texas fans at TDCU Stadium. That game will be at TDCU Stadium. It's not moving to NRG Stadium, so that's another big gap for the Houston Cougars as well. As we wrap up, before we wrap up, I think the student section is going to be crazy. I think oh, absolutely. students are going to be electric, and if anything, Houston probably has to uncap the the number of student tickets that they can allow to allow students to get as many get in as many as yeah. they as they can to fill as much stadium. But I agree with you one hundred percent. Season ticket holders, do not sell your tickets for that game. Show out. Show out to that game. Do not sell them. Don't make a profit off of it. Attend the game. This is going to be one of the last times that you probably get to see Texas, certainly at TDCU Stadium. So you got to get up and show out for that game now. But I was going to say, the last uh, interstate rival that's left on schedule, Baylor, they have to travel up to Waco. That's kind of interesting because the year of, of the COVID year, Houston was actually scheduled to go and travel up to Waco to play Baylor. I still have... Somewhere up there, I have a whole bunch of list of credentials right here. I have the credential that was supposed to be for that Baylor game in 2020. Of course, we know, I think Baylor was the one that had the COVID issues. That game got postponed. Dana Holgerson was not happy about it because it literally happened less than 24 hours before uh, the game was supposed to start. Baylor, since then, has been able to establish themselves as a consistent powerhouse in football. They've been able to establish a good program, and it seems like they're always towards the top of the Big 12 Conference year in and year out, regardless of what their roster turnover looks like. So that's going to be a tough game on the road in that environment that Houston's going to have to go through in the Big 12 schedule. Yeah, I mean, another consistent um, program since they got their new um, head coach since he's been in an outstanding job. But I think that's a, a key game, an important game. Just like Texas and TCU, I think that's another matchup where not only Baylor fans but Houston fans have circled. But um, I expect that game to be a highly. I think Baylor's going to be one of the rivals for Houston. Um, yeah, especially yeah, once Texas that. and OU move on. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, so that's another key game on the road. I mean, Houston, it's going to be. They're going to have their work cut out for them. But it's going to be tough. I mean, but this is what you ask for. You ask to be in a, a bigger conference, better, better competition. Now it's time to perform and show who you are. You sound like Dana Hogerson for a second. That's what they asked for. It's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough schedule every week, every night out, especially every week out when you look at it. But I think there's just so much more excitement when you look at it. No offense to the American Athletic Conference because they hit, did have exciting matches, but it was just hard to get up at times for Temples, for USF, for games like that. I mean, even Tulsa, even though give credit to the Golden Hurricane, they came in here, they beat the Houston Cougars on the last game of the season, which. Houston already had a long shot at being able to make the American Athletic Conference Championship game, but there just wasn't no buzz or excitement for any of those matchups. And now when you look at the schedule, every opponent, a lot of it has to do with how regionalized the opponents are. But it's easy. I'm looking at it top to bottom. TCU, Texas Tech, I mean, West Virginia, it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. But even Texas, Baylor, like those games are going to be – there's a lot of excitement just because of where they are, how close they are. And, again, how you said, there's a lot of alumni from those universities that probably reside within the city of Houston. So it'll make for a good atmosphere now. Before I touch on Cincinnati and UCF, who Houston is going to play both of them. And of course, they're – 
joining Houston from the American Athletic Conference as well. Oklahoma State, kind of a bit of an underrated team that like you mentioned, kind of the Lakers and Clippers rivalry from a Houston-Texas standpoint. They're not going to play Oklahoma, but they are going to play Oklahoma State, which you know, at times they've shown that they can be, again, they can make a run in the Big 12 Conference. So it'll be interesting latter end of the season so by then we'll know whether it's a good year or not for the the Cowboys but that could be another interesting matchup and that's going to be a home game that's actually the last home game of the year for the Houston Cougars so a good opponent to close out the home schedule with for sure they're another consistent uh, program in the Big 12 and they always start hot every every year they start hot and so it's about for them it's about finishing and for Houston I think it's good because Oklahoma State team is, a, is another school that recruits focused in tech, where their recruiting base is based in Texas. So not yeah. only does Houston want to win the game to win, but also you want to protect the home state and allow, like, hey, don't go out there when you can come and play here. But Oklahoma State is going through some transition. They lost, what, I think the two or three-year starter, Spencer Sanders, it was transferred to Ole Miss, so they have a little bit of transition going there. But Regardless, they put out good quarterbacks year in, year out in that system. Yeah. And so that's going to be a highly competitive game to close out the season. And hopefully Houston is, is playing for something. And hopefully Oklahoma State is playing for something as well. And so uh, I can't wait for that one. Oklahoma State is a good football program for sure. Yeah, once again, that's going to be the last home game of schedule for the Houston Cougars. They play Oklahoma. They host Oklahoma State on November 18th. Now, the week before that, they will also host Cincinnati. That'll be November 11th. And then they end the season on the road against UCF on November 25th. So Cincinnati and UCF, those two obviously are programs that are joining Houston from the American Athletic Conference. I think it's interesting when you look at the Bearcats there in a completely rebuilt phase after losing their head coach in Luke Fickle. Obviously, they had already lost their quarterback Desmond Ritter this past year to the, the professional ranks. He went to the NFL. Now without their head coach joining a new conference, they're kind of they're kind of in a tough spot heading into the Big Twelve. They're definitely in a tough spot. And a year ago, before he left, we were looking at this program was extending and going to the Big 12. Now it's kind of an uncertainty as far as what you lose your head coach. And often a lot of players kind of transfer out once they get in the new coaching staff. So, I mean, I guess we kind of got to wait to see where Cincinnati is. But regardless, I think that's a program while Houston's been in American. They kind of built a rivalry specifically in basketball. And with the way they've had success in football, it's kind of been – Kind of the, one of the one of the top teams since Houston had to compete against in regards to winning a conference championship, and so I'm gonna be looking to see how Cincinnati actually bounces back and how they look going into the Big Twelve. Absolutely, and I think one of the things that hasn't helped really for that rivalry to blossom in football is that they just haven't been scheduled to play against each other during the last few years. I think the last time they played in the regular season, I believe it was the 2020 season when they played Cincinnati. Uh, and I might be wrong about that. I know they played in 2019 for sure. And then, of course, they met in the 2021 American Athletic Championship game where, I mean, in the first half, Houston was neck and neck with the Bearcats, and then they just took over in the second half of the year. They went on to the college football playoff. Now, UCF, last team from the American Athletic Conference that also will be joining Houston. What are your thoughts on them? Because that's going to be the, the year that they – that's going to be the opponent they close out the first year in the Big 12 with. What are your thoughts on the Knights? Because, again, they've kind of been able to establish themselves. I know it's the American Athletic Conference that's different, but they've kind of established themselves sort of the top of the conference throughout their entire time in the AAC. One thing that's common with Houston is some of these programs, it's history there. 
And so not only do they have history, UCF, because of the Americans, it's history between the two cultures with Miles Son and Hoverson. So they both know each other really well. And so from that perspective, I think the narrative is going to be between the two cultures and the history that they have, um, um, culture with one another and learning from one another. And so for UCF, I think they're a little bit established. I don't want to say more established. I probably put it on an equal playing field in regards to Houston heading into the Big 12. But they had a bounce back successful season compared to they had the year before. And so I know they're going to be just like Houston, looking to prove that they belong in the Big 12 and they can play and win. And so that's going to be a game that I know that they're going to want to win as well. Absolutely. So now as we wrap things up, this has been a great thank for all of you. You guys who were able to join us live on the YouTube live stream. If you joined us on Twitter and or the Pod Slamma Jamma on my personal Twitter, the Pod Slamma Jamma Twitter accounts. Thank you guys as well. Big shout outs to at Boom Boom DI on YouTube and Loris2020. 2238 on YouTube for being uh, active in the show. And we were able to read out some of you guys' comments. If you're listening to the audio only version, this will actually go up later today instead of the morning of, but of course be sure to follow and subscribe to our YouTube channel at pod slam and on YouTube. Not only will you get watching the not live podcast like this, where we're, directly engaging with you guys but of course you'll get non-stop coverage from houston Cougars football men's basketball and women's basketball we just posted a video of kelvin sampson post during his zoom availability this morning there'll be another one that goes up on about uh, jamal shed it's about scheduled to go up at 1 45 p.m so of course you don't want to miss that out on that dana horson's supposed to meet with reporters via zoom on wednesday at noon so we'll have coverage of that as well like uh, boom boom said thank you for Thank you for the effort, guys. Appreciate the interaction and info. We thank you guys for being able to be uh, listeners and being an active follower of Potsdam and JAMA. We really appreciate it because of support, and that's how we're trying to continue and grow. Dayan, I'll toss it over to you. Where can people find you and any final message on the inaugural Big 12 schedule? First, I'd like to echo the words that you just said. Thank you for all our supporters because we wouldn't be able to continue to do this without having the fans supporting the interaction and engagement. So we appreciate that wholeheartedly. Also, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. It helps us out mightily. As far as football, um, the new Big 12, I'm excited, man. It's finally here. We finally see who Houston is going to play, where they're going to play. And so now it's about building a championship identity and culture here in which Coach Hawkinson has been trying to build. And then you got to go out and prove it in an upper echelon program. There's no more excuses as far as outside the expectation. We need this. We need that. The time is here. It's now. Um, you're getting some big-time recruits. And let's put it all together and develop it. And as far as the basketball, man, just continuing to um, stack up the wins, whether it's a small win. A win is a win, like Hope Sampson said. So continue to get better as March gets closer and closer and closer. And, um, of course, you can all follow me on all social media platforms like it shows on the screen. Or if you just listen to audio only, it's at Dayon Dunlap, D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. Of course, once again, I just can't emphasize thank you guys enough for being able to be a part of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Be sure, like I mentioned throughout the show, to be be able to check us out on the Houston Rumble Review YouTube channel for Let's Rage Cougs. It probably around an 11 p.m., so it'll be hashtag LRC after dark for this week's episode of Let's Rage Cougs following the game against Wichita State. Until then, my name is Andy Anas. It's been Dayan Donald. This has been a live episode of Pod Slam and Jam. And as always, Dayan, you get the final word, sir. 
Can't end the episode without saying go Cougs, baby.